Dear Lord, thank you for giving us today. Thank you for giving us this opportunity just to gather again and worship and read your word, Lord. And just uh, be with Pastor Jesse and give him the words to speak tonight. And just pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Go ahead and have a seat. Did you just try and poke me in the face, Ashlyn? I saw that. Um, if you don't have a Bible, can we turn that down just a little bit? If you don't have a Bible, there's stacks of them in the back of the room. And if you like to take notes, there's a bunch of those little KF student notebooks. You can grab one of those. Those are free. Take one. Use it. Take notes. And follow along with us with what we're doing tonight. So it's on the screen. What book are we in? Does anybody know how many weeks we've been in the book of Daniel now? Did you say 18? How many? I can't hear you. 37? No. No. Hold on. I, 12? Close. No. No. Okay. 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 What did you say? 15? Okay. So far, we have been in this book for 15 weeks. Tonight is night number 16. We are finally on Daniel chapter 10. Believe it or not, there's only three chapters left in this book, so here's what that means. Tonight, we're going to look at Daniel chapter 10. Next week, we're going to cover Daniel chapter 11 and 12 to finish the book, because two weeks from tonight, we're having our Christmas party in here. That's our last Wednesday night for the... Yeah, well, you can cheer for that. It's a good thing. That's a, hey, that's our last Wednesday night. But hey, do y'all remember what our theme was at our Christmas party last year? Christmas. Yes, Christmas. Perfect. Plaid. Yeah, it was a floral Christmas. This year we're mixing it up a little bit. Are you ready? Hey, this year we're doing a classy Christmas. Oh, what that means is wear, wear some nice Christmas clothes, okay? Wear some nice Christmas clothes. Like... Be like Mr. Chad, get some cool character socks for Christmas. You know, get, get, some, get something that looks good. I'm glad you got that. Yes, Eli. Hold on, hold on. Listen, he has a great question. He said, is he allowed to wear a suit and tie? Absolutely. It's a classy Christmas, so you can wear a suit and tie. Don't come in here showing up like, like Cousin Eddie from Christmas Vacation, okay? A classy Christmas, all right? That's what we want. So, Daniel, chapter 10. Let's just go ahead and walk through some of the questions. Who wrote the book? Daniel. Daniel. How old do we think he was when he wrote it? 15, 16. No, hey, don't start. All right? Who was the king that came in and conquered Israel? Nebuchadnezzar, that's right. Who were the people group? The Babylonians. Nathan, who's your brother? Good man, you finally got one right. There we go. And what's the main theme of, what is the main? Hey, hey, what's the main theme of the book? God's sovereignty, that's absolutely right. So, like I said, Tonight we're going to cover all of chapter 10, but I want to stop for a second because we're breaking up what's going on here because if you actually sit down and read chapters 10, chapters 11, and 12, all three make up one vision that God gave to Daniel. So even though it's all one thing, we're going to have to take our time and walk through it a little bit. And what's happening here is tonight we're going to walk through the first of these three chapters, and as we do that, there's two things. There's two things for us to pay attention to, two things that we can walk away with from, from this tonight with, if I can get my words out right. And if you take notes, I'm going to go ahead and tell you what those two things are right now. 
The first one is this. It's that spiritual battles have earthly consequences. Spiritual battles are real, and they have earthly consequences. And the second one is this. We have to be intentional about being with God. We're going to see both of those things play out in this chapter tonight, but I want to go ahead and give you those right now so you can be looking for those as we walk through it. So before we read, I'm not going to ask you to read because we're going to kind of chop it up or to stand. We're going to kind of chop it up tonight, so I won't ask you to stand, but if you will, pray with me real quick, and uh, we'll jump right into it. God, we thank you. We thank you again for who you are. God, we thank you for your word, Lord, and we thank you for books like Daniel that sometimes when we look back, we think, how in the world does that apply to us, God? But You show us every time when we open your word, it does not return void. You always have something that we are supposed to take away from, something that was written originally, something that the author intended, that you guided that author to write. And God, it applies to us right here, right now. Help us to see that tonight. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so Daniel chapter 10, verse 1. Here's what it says. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a word was revealed to Daniel, whose name, who was named Belteshazzar, And the word was true, and it was a great conflict, and he understood the word and had understanding of the vision. So let's stop there for a second, and let's kind of set the scene for what's going on. You've got this guy by the name of Cyrus. He's the king of Persia. If you remember, Nebuchadnezzar came in, and Nebuchadnezzar was ruling, but then over time, those kingdoms started to topple, and kingdom after kingdom came in and took over that whole people group and that whole area. And at one point in time, it was the the Medes and the Persians conquered together, and Cyrus was the king of that area. So you've got Daniel, who as a 15, 16 year old, along with his friends they were taken into captivity and they were forced to live and grow up in this culture that did anything but worship God and what Daniel has seen is he's seen king after king people group after people group come in and take over and change things but right now he's stepping back to this one point in time the third year of Cyrus king of Persia And what's happened here is this guy by the name of Cyrus you've got the Jewish people the Israelites they were in captivity But what Cyrus does is he actually gives permission to these Jewish exiles to go back to Jerusalem. Now, they didn't all go, but a lot of them did, to go back to Jerusalem and to start to rebuild the temple, the temple that had been destroyed. And that's a big deal for the Jewish culture because for them, for them to worship God, now we know we can worship God anywhere. But for them at that time, that was where they worshiped. That would be like somebody coming in and knocking down all of our buildings tomorrow, and we don't have these buildings when we show up to worship on Sunday. And this, we thought this was the only place we could worship. We know we could meet right out here in the grass parking lot, and we can worship, and, and it'd be absolutely fine. And they could have done the same thing. In fact, that's what Daniel continued to do in all of those years of captivity. He still worshiped God, but the Jewish temple was a special place. In the Jewish temple was the the area called the Holy of Holies. It's where the presence of God dwelt. So for the Jewish people, that was a big deal. It's where the Old Testament sacrifices happened. It was something that was huge in their culture. So for Cyrus to let them go back and start to rebuild that temple, that was a big deal for them. In fact, studies show us and history shows up there were about 50,000 of the Jews who went back to start trying to rebuild this temple. And what has happened is, this is talking about the third year of Cyrus. It had actually already been two years since Cyrus had given them permission. So all this is happening in that time frame that Cyrus has been the king. The problem is, those people that went back to rebuild the temple, they faced opposition. 
There were people there who didn't want them to rebuild the temple, who didn't want them to do what they were allowed to do. Listen to what it says in, uh, where is it here? I just went to the wrong page, and I apologize for that. Let me pull it back up. (laughs) It says in uh, Ezra chapter 4. Let me read this for you. Total different book of the Bible, but you'll see why I'm reading this in just a second. Chapter 4, verse 1. Now when the adversaries of Judah and Benjamin heard that the returned exiles were building a temple to the Lord, the God of Israel, they approached Zerubbabel and the heads of fathers' houses and said to them, Let us build with you. For we worship your God as you do, and we've been sacrificing to him ever since the days of, of Esarhaddon, king of Assyria, who brought us here. But Zerubbabel, Jeshua, and the rest of the heads of fathers' houses in Israel said to them, You have nothing to do with us in building a house to our God, but we alone will build to the Lord, the God of Israel, as King Cyrus, the king of Persia, has commanded us. So these Jewish people, they go back in and they start to rebuild and they've got people that are already living there and they come to the Jewish people and say, hey, let us help you. We've been making sacrifices to your God. We worship the same God. And the Jewish people say, no, you don't. We're going to rebuild the temple because we're the ones that worship the one true God. You guys aren't on the same page as we are, so no, you can't help us. But then it goes on here in verse 5. And it says this, or excuse me, verse 4. Then the people of the land discouraged the people of Judah and made them afraid to build and bribed counselors against them to frustrate their purpose all the days of Cyrus, king of Persia, even until the reign of Darius, king of Persia. And in the reign of Ahasuerus, in the beginning of his reign, they wrote an accusation against the inhabitants of Judah and Jerusalem. So these guys that were just turned down when the Israelites said, no, you can't help us build, basically what they do is they they all get together and they write a letter to the king. And the letter to the king says, king, you need to understand something. If you let these Jewish people rebuild this temple, you're not going to rule that part of that kingdom anymore. Because what they're going to do is they're they're rebellious people. They're going to rebel against you. They're no longer going to pay you taxes. They're no longer going to pay you the money that they owe you. And you're not going to have any control over there. So you need to shut this down because, King, we love you. We want to honor you. And we don't want to see you dishonored. Does this kind of sound familiar? You remember when all the rulers got together and said, Hey, King, we need to do something because Daniel's a problem. The same thing's happening again. Because it always happens. When you are pursuing God, when you are doing what God wants you to do, when you are going after him with everything in your life, you are going to face opposition. There are going to be people who will come against you. There are going to be people who will say lies about you, who will make things up that aren't even true simply because you are living a life trying to honor God. And it's not something that should surprise us because it's something we see all throughout Scripture and it's happening right here. And what they do is they write this letter, they send it to the king, they get a response to the letter, and the king basically says, hey, I want you to shut down the rebuilding project and I don't want you to let them start again unless you get the okay from me. So they don't have a choice now. In fact, look at the last two verses of chapter 4. It says, Then when the copy of King Artaxerxes' letter was read before Rehum and Shimshai, the scribe and their associates, they went in haste to the Jews at Jerusalem and by force and power made them cease. Then the work of the house of God that is in Jerusalem stopped and it ceased until the second year of the reign of Darius, king of Persia. All of this has happened before we even get to verse 2. 
So that's the background. When, when Daniel says, hey, in the third year of this king's reign, this is what has gone on in the last two years. And this is where we find Daniel having seen all of this play out as we step into verse 2. And look at how we find Daniel here in verse 2. It says, in those days, I, Daniel, was mourning for three weeks. I ate no delicacies, no meat or wine entered my mouth, nor did I anoint myself with myself at all for the full three weeks. So as we find Daniel here, as we actually hear him talking about himself, Daniel is in mourning. Daniel's grieving. Remember, he's seen king after king after king come through, kings who didn't honor God. He's seen his own people of Israel suffer in captivity. He's lived in this foreign anti-God culture for the majority of his life. And now the Jewish people, they've finally been released. They finally got what they were hoping to do again, to go home, to rebuild the temple. And as soon as they get there and they start doing that, it is stopped and they can't do anything else. And now in the midst of that, we're getting ready to step into a vision that he's had where he's going to see horrible things that are going to happen to his people. And he's got all of this weight and this, this tension and this stress that's building up over him and it's weighing heavy on him. And in his grief, he's fallen on his face before God. It says he fasted for three weeks. For three weeks. Some of us have a hard time cutting something out of our life for one day. For instance, think you could go more than a day without this? <laughs> some of you, some of you I believe, some of you, you start twitching as soon as you put it down. <laughs> what he says right here, hey, for three weeks, 21 days, he cuts out eating meat. He cuts out drinking wine. It says he doesn't have any delicacies. It says he stops anointing himself. And basically what that means is, is it's believed historically that in that climate, because it was such a harsh climate, that had to do with, with oil in the skin and the way that they would do that to keep their skin from drying out and getting cracked. So it says that he went, with all of that for th went without all of that for three weeks and he's doing all of that every bit of that in response to what has already happened and in response to a vision he's having about things that haven't even happened yet. Think about that. I'm willing to bet sometimes there's some of you in here, I know I'm guilty of doing the same thing, you start to worry about the future and you start to think about what could happen and what may happen and what you think will happen and you start to get stressed and you start to get worried and you start to get anxious and it hasn't even happened yet. That's even just a small picture of the weight that Daniel feels here. Because up to this point, he's had visions already. And when God gives a vision, God's not one that just says, hey, here's a crazy dream, have fun. God explains what that means. And God makes sure that we understand throughout all of his word that God keeps his word. So when God gives Daniel a vision, Daniel knows this is something that's going to happen and this is something that is stressing him out. That matters for us because we get into those same worry modes. We have times, we have situations where maybe your, your parents are fighting 
Maybe you've got a job and your boss hates you. Maybe your teacher really is out to get you and that's not just something you tell your parents because you're getting a bad grade. And all of those things start to happen and all of those things start to crash down on us at one time and we start to wonder how in the world am I going to deal with all of this? So we start turning to different things to deal with it. To deal with the stress and to deal with the tension and the anxiety and we turn to things like relationships and social media and friends and self-harm and alcohol and drugs and one of a hundred other different things to deal with the stress and the, and the grief. And yet what we see here, right here with Daniel, is Daniel doesn't turn to all of those things. What Daniel does is what we're supposed to do if we claim to be a disciple of Jesus. We're supposed to turn to God. Daniel turns to God in his grief. He gives up these things through fasting so that he can focus on talking to and hearing from God. Guys, if you ever hear somebody talk about fasting in the church, it's not just, hey, I'm going to cut out this food so I can lose weight for a little while. Fasting, it's, it's biblical, it's scriptural. It's so that you can take that time and dedicate that time where you would be doing something else to paying attention to God, to reading God's word, to praying, to meditating on God's word. Not just a Middle Eastern thing. Scripture says meditate on God's word. That means you read it and you think about it. You get all the songs out of your head. You get the TikTok videos out of your head and you put God's word there. Crazy, I know. But that's what it says we're supposed to do. And we do that so we can focus on him. Because when we truly focus on him, we can hear from him. We can understand who he is. We can understand what he's doing most of the time. And that's exactly what Daniel does right here. He turns to God in his grief and he does it so that he can find guidance and so that he can find hope. So my question for you right there is, where do you turn when your world starts unraveling? When you have that stress and that anxiety and that pressure and that worry and that fear do you seek the counsel of God and his wisdom from his word in your life for those hopeless moments or do you turn to one of a thousand different things Daniel seeks God and God answers him because that's what God does when we seek him look at Daniel chapter 10 verse 4 on the 24th day of the first month as I was standing on the bank of the great river, that is the Tigris, I lifted up my eyes and looked, and behold, a man clothed in linen, with a belt of fine gold from Uphaz around his waist. His body was like beryl, his face like the appearance of lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze, and the sound of his words like the sound of a multitude." So Daniel has done this three weeks of praying, this three weeks of fasting, and now he's at the end of that time. He's gone those 21 days, and now three days later, on the 24th day, he's out, he's by this river, and all of a sudden he sees this being, this crazy-looking being. I don't know about you guys, but if I'm standing there and somebody comes up and they're in front of me and their face looks like lightning, and, and their, their eyes are like on fire, be kind of cool. I'd also want to get a fire extinguisher because it'd be kind of scary. Um, but you've got this guy standing in front of him. This is something to see. And we know this is no normal human being. This has to be somebody that God has sent. In fact, scripture commentaries tell us this is an angel of God that he has sent. 
Because what you've got is you've got the glory of God shining through him, and Daniel is overwhelmed because of this intimidating figure, and we're going to see what happens here in just a second. But there's something else I want you to pay attention to. How long did Daniel fast and pray? Three weeks, 21 days, right? On what day did this angel appear to him? On the 24th day. So for 24 days... Daniel has sought God, right? Daniel has tried to understand from God what is going on. And it seems like there's a delay in God answering. In Daniel chapter 9, Daniel had his vision and Daniel started praying. And before his prayer was finished, the angel was there immediately. And yet here, we've got over three weeks where the angel hasn't shown up. That's important because sometimes it feels like when we pray to God, there's a delay. Like God's not answering us. God doesn't hear us. I've, I've, I've heard this by I don't know how many different preachers. And they always say, you know what, when you ask God, he always answers in three ways. He says yes, he says no, or he says not yet. Sometimes it takes time. Sometimes God does answer, but God doesn't answer us immediately. Sometimes there's a much longer delay. Sometimes when we pray to God and we feel like, God, you're not answering me. God, I don't understand what you're doing. God, help me see what's going on here. And we feel like maybe God's not even listening to us. But we need to understand God is always listening when you pray. God always hears your prayers. And we see right here that God has heard his prayers because we see this angel does come and we're about to see the interaction that we have right here. What we need to understand is that when we are talking about prayer, and this is where things get a little difficult for us to grasp sometimes, when we pray, when you and I get on our knees before God, we are praying to God about things that are happening in our own experience. What we think, what we feel, what we see, what we hear, our physical experience. But when we pray to God, we're moving from the physical realm into the spiritual realm. Because we're taking those physical concerns that we have and we're asking God, the creator of everything, the ruler of heaven and earth, the one who created the angels, the one who does things that we can't see, we're moving from that physical to that spiritual. And we can't always see what's happening in that spiritual realm. Most of the times we can't. In these visions, God actually gives Daniel a little peek behind the curtain. He lets him see what's going on in the spiritual realm. And we see that when this angel starts talking to him. It says right here in verse 7, it says, And I, Daniel, alone saw this vision. For the men who were with me did not see the vision, but a great trembling fell upon them, and they fled to hide themselves. So I was left alone and saw this great vision, and no strength was left in me. My radiant appearance was fearfully changed and I retained no strength. Then I heard the sound of his words and as I heard the words, the sound of his words, I fell on my face in deep sleep with my face to the ground. Basically, Daniel just passed out. This vision starts and it says there's guys with Daniel and what do they do? They're gone. Now they, they don't see the vision but they know something is happening. It says they, they begin to tremble. They know something is going on. <clears throat> excuse me, they don't know what it is, but Daniel's left by himself. And as Daniel's left by himself, look at what happens in verse 10. And behold, 
A hand touched me and set, my trembling, set me trembling on my hands and knees. And he said to me, O Daniel, man greatly loved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright, for now I have been sent to you. And when he had spoken this word to me, I stood up trembling. Then he said to me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humbled yourself before your God, your words have been heard, and I have come because of your words. The prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days, but Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I was left there with the kings of Persia and came to make you understand what is to happen to your people in the latter days, for the vision is for the days yet to come. Daniel's getting a peek behind the curtain into the spiritual realm that's happening here. What this angel is describing to him is a spiritual battle. That there's a war that is waging between forces that you and I, we can't see. And this angel comes and he reassures Daniel. He says, Daniel, number one, you are greatly loved. And number two, your prayers have been heard. From the first day that you start. It says right there, from the first, first day that you set your heart to understand and humbled yourself before God, your words have been heard. And I have come because of your words. It says they were heard the very first day. As soon as Daniel started to pray, God sent his angel to talk to Daniel. But there's been a spiritual battle going on that delayed the angel. It's not that God didn't hear Daniel. It's not that God didn't care about Daniel or God didn't want to answer Daniel's prayer. In fact, it's the exact opposite of that that we see right there in verse 11. The reality is that Daniel couldn't know what was happening. Daniel couldn't see into the spiritual realm to know, you know, some scholars will, will read through this and they give explanation where it talks about the prince of the kingdom of Persia that withstood me for 21 days. It says that that's, that's a demon. That's, that's a demon that would have been sent by Satan to stop the work of God, to stop this angel from getting to Daniel, to be able to talk to Daniel, to explain to Daniel what was going on. This isn't storybook stuff that somebody wrote down and thought, huh, that'll scare kids. Demons are real. Angels are real. We have, a great, we have a great mistake we make sometimes. We believe that angels are real and we pretend that demons aren't. I mean, I, I can tell you guys, when I was younger, <laughs> my mom used to let me watch all kinds of movies and some really not good ones. And I'm talking like some demonic type stuff. And when I was younger, never thought anything about it because it was just entertainment, right? It's not entertainment to me anymore. Because as you read in the scripture, you find out some of that stuff's real. Demons are real. Demons can affect the physical world. The spiritual realm can affect the physical world. Daniel didn't get his answer right away even though God sent the angel immediately because there was a spiritual battle that was raging and that spiritual battle had earthly consequences. And we've got to remember that. When we look at stuff like this, we've got to understand that demons are real, that Satan is real, which, by the way, let me stop right there. Not everything bad that happens in your life is a result of Satan trying to get you. Okay? So, for instance, if you get in your car and your battery doesn't start, it's not because Satan doesn't want you to go to school that day. It's probably because you got a dead battery and it's time to replace it. 
Okay, so don't go looking for Satan under every hidden rock, but you do need to be on guard. Scripture does tell us he's roaring a lot, he's prowling around like a roaring lion seeking to devour you. It's a real thing. It's something we have to be aware of. Then it goes on here in verse 15. It says, When he had spoken to me according to these words, I turned my face toward the ground and was mute. And behold, one in the likeness of the children of man touched my lips. Then I opened my mouth and spoke. I said to him who stood before me, O my Lord, by reason of the vision pains have by reason of the vision pains have come upon me and I retain no strength. How can my Lord's servant talk with my Lord? For now no strength remains in me and no breath is left in me. Daniel's exhausted. Daniel has mourned, Daniel has grieved, Daniel has gone through this physical and spiritual battle through prayer, and he's overwhelmed by that grief and exhaustion. But look at verse 18. It says, again, one having this appearance of a man touched me and strengthened me. Daniel's overwhelmed in his grief. He's overwhelmed in his exhaustion. But right here, look at what God does. He uses this angel to give strength to Daniel when he doesn't have any. Because that's what God will do. God does it for Daniel and God will do that in our lives too when we cry out to him. Paul talks about there's a thorn in his flesh and it's something that is used to keep him humble, which is good. Apparently Paul may have been a pretty prideful guy. But it says that in his weakness, in that thorn, that thing that plagues him, it's in his weakness that he finds his strength in God. It's in his weakness where he finds his strength in Jesus Christ. And that's exactly what's happening here. God is giving Daniel the strength, the power that he needs to keep going. And he will do the exact same for us when we are in our biggest moments of doubt, when we are in our biggest moments of grief and anxiety and stress and worry, when we turn to God and cry out to God, that is where we find hope and that is where we find strength. And we see that in verse 19. And he said, O man greatly loved, fear not, Peace be with you. Be strong and of good courage. And as he spoke to me, I was strengthened and said, Let my Lord speak, for you have strengthened me. Look at the words he says. He says, Daniel, you're loved. Daniel, don't be afraid. Daniel, be at peace and have courage. The angel speaks words of comfort and encouragement to Daniel in his time of need. That's what God's word does for us. That's why it's so important that when we hit those times that we turn to God first because that's where we're going to find hope. That's where we're going to find strength and courage. That's where we're going to be able to be who God has called us and created us to be is when we turn to him. And he goes on in verse 20. Then he said, do you know why I've come to you? But now I will return to fight against the prince of Persia. And when I go out, behold, the prince of Greece will come. But I will tell you what is inscribed in the book of truth. There is none who contends by my side against these except Michael, your prince. So verse 20 is kind of a rhetorical question. He said, Daniel, do do you know why I'm here? Well, he already answered that question. Back in verses 12 and 14, he said, Daniel, I'm here in verse 12 because you prayed and God sent me. And then in verse 14, he says, I'm here to help you understand the vision. 
And then he goes on and he basically tells Daniel, he said, hey, I'm going to leave you after I explained this vision to you and I'm going back to the spiritual battle. I've got this, this prince of Persia, this demon. I've got to go back and fight him some more because that spiritual battle is still waging. And then he says, and when I go out, behold, the prince of Greece will come. Because if you go back and you remember our line of kingdoms that Greece came in and took over after the, Medo, the Medes and the Persians. In other words, there's going to be another demon. There's going to be another being that's going to oppose God. And that angel is going to have to go out and fight that one as well. And we're going to stop there because we're at the end of this chapter. But there's so many things in this chapter. But we've got to go back to those two things. The first one again, spiritual battles have earthly consequences. Angels and demons are real. There is a spiritual battle that has raged from the moment that Satan sinned against God that will continue until Jesus reigns for eternity. And it's happening now. Right now. And we can't see it. But we can see the earthly consequences of it. We can't see that spiritual realm, but we can see the physical one. We can see nation trying to destroy nation. We can see one person trying to destroy somebody else. We see the consequences of that spiritual battle. We see evil pre prevail in the moment and forget that God has already won that war. He's already won it because that's what he did through Jesus Christ. What he did is he sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross to pay the penalty for our sin. And when he did that, he conquered death. He conquered sin. He won that spiritual war. Yes, there's a battle raging, but the war's been won. Because three days after his death, Jesus Christ walked out of that tomb. And he conquered sin and he conquered death. We've got to remember that. And we've got to live in that reality and in that truth. That's why Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10 says this, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Listen to this. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. The fight that you're in, it's not with the people around you. If you're a disciple of Jesus Christ, if you know he's forgiven you of your sin, you put your faith and trust in him, the fight that you're in is not with the people around you, not the person in class that gets on your nerves, not the teacher that you think is out to get you, not the person that you think hates your guts. Your fight's not with them. Your fight's in the spiritual realm. Your fight calls you to draw near to God. It goes on in verse 12, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. These spiritual realms, these spiritual battles have earthly consequences. And we've got to be aware of that reality, which is why we have to be intentional about being with God. Just like Daniel was. That's the first place he went. And we saw that throughout his life. Through all the chapters that we've looked at, he has consistently gone to God. He has consistently honored God. He has consistently sought God. And we have to do the exact same thing. When he was grieving, when he was mourning, when he was distraught, when he was told, don't worship God anymore, the first thing he did was he went to God. Specifically through prayer. And it's something he did consistently throughout everything we've seen here so far. 
Daniel sought God on his knees. He sought for hope. He sought for understanding. He sought for strength. And God heard Daniel in his desperation. And he provided Daniel exactly what he needed because Daniel was intentional about being with God. And you and I have to be intentional about being with God too. Intentional when life is going great. And it seems like everything is wonderful. And intentional when life is falling apart. We have to seek God in every one of those situations. And for all of you sitting in here tonight, I don't know what's going on in your life right now. But you know, and God knows. And it may be that right now, of all of the things that you've tried to change things, to make things right, to make yourself feel better, maybe the one thing you need to do right here tonight is to be intentional about being with God. Maybe you need to spend time in prayer. Maybe when the the praise team comes up here and they start singing that last song, maybe you don't stand up and sing. Maybe you sit right there and talk to God. Maybe if you want, you can write your prayer request down on a card, drop it in this basket, and the adults in this room are going to pray for you. And maybe you just spend a few moments on your knees before God. Whatever it is, be intentional about being with God because that's what he's called us to do. Let's pray. God, we thank you. We thank you for who you are. We thank you that we can come together, that we can worship you, God. And I pray right now, God, so often we don't see, we don't even realize the spiritual battles that are going on around us. God, open our eyes. God, we may not see visions and get explanations the way Daniel did. But God, open our eyes to where you're working and where we need to be cautious and where we need to get on our knees in our own lives and and for the lives of the ones that are around us. To pray for them, to pray for each other. God, I pray right now that you'll help us to be intentional about drawing near to you so that we can find hope, strength, and comfort. God, help us to trust that you will provide those things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.